The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Sometimes on these mornings I start with a little reflection. Um, much of the time we just go right into discussion, but um, last night I offered the talk on the hindrances, and I got to three of them, but not to all five. And the two I didn't get to were two that were really talked about in here as being ones that you were working with. And so I wanted to say a few words about both restlessness and doubt. Um, And also, just to say more generally about the hindrances, I actually spent quite a bit of time at the beginning of the talk last night talking about the hindrances in general. And I'll start with a piece about that. Uh, a piece in general about the hindrances, or just in general about how our minds work, including with the hindrances. Um, There's a a teaching in mathematics called, uh, or an equation in mathematics called fractals. It's, uh, some of you may have seen the covers of some of Tanisaro Bhikkhu's books with all these kind of elaborate patterns. Um, and those patterns um, are interesting in that uh, if you look at a tiny little piece of the pattern, you know, just a little tiny section of the pattern, it, it's the same as the entire pattern. And so the, 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 the mathematical equation that creates that pattern has a particular form. And uh, the way it works is that if you have an equation um, or a function of some kind, that um, the result of that function gets fed back into the function. And so it's essentially applying the function to itself over and over and over again. Um, And that's how this replicating design is made through an equation like that. And it turns out that... um, you know, mathematicians described this kind of equation and then began discovering this is how trees grow. This is how mountains erode. This is how much of nature works. And it makes sense because if you have like a growth of a tree, the way a, a tree has kind of almost got a function. How, how does this tree grow? And so it's got this function and the tree grows a little bit and then it applies the result of that growth to the growth again. And so it just keeps, it, it keeps applying that pattern to itself. Uh, with erosion, you know, it's like you've got rain falling down a mountain and it creates a certain pattern. And then uh, more rain falls down and it's the, the rain falling down is being applied to the result of that pattern. And so it's, it's, a, it's a function that's very natural uh, this, this description of a pattern applied to itself. Well, this is also how our minds work. So, um, you know, what, what we often have happen is that we have something like ill will arise, and um, we respond to it with ill will. And then it kind of, it grows. The, the Buddha described this through a teaching. Whatever one frequently ponders becomes the inclination of the mind. And so it's, it's interesting. What, it, what I'd like to point to here is that um, the same, this, the, the big manifestations of our, of our hindrances, like when we're really enraged or when we're incredibly restless, um, those are the times it's really hard to be with them. You know, it, it, it's like the, the mindfulness is often not quite strong enough to meet that. Essentially, with mindfulness, we're trying to apply a different pattern 
to to the hindrance than the habitual one. Um, and so when the hindrances are strong, it's it's uh, it can be harder to apply the the work of mindfulness because the you know the hindrance can pull pull us. It's almost like the hindrance has got more energy than the mindfulness. I sometimes uh, feel like the hindrance is like this big wave of a tsunami and the mindfulness is this little trickle. So it's, um, it's, it's often hard when the hindrances are large. And yet, when the hindrances are small, it's much easier. And so, you know, a little bit of restlessness, a little bit of impatience. You know, you're going through your day and maybe you're beginning to notice a particular kind of hindrance is strong. Um, and the one that you've picked, you know, so doubt or, or ill will, you've noticed that that, that hindrance is one that, that comes up a lot for you. And you might think that the, the best place to pay attention to that would be when it's strong. But I'd like to propose that actually it's, it's easier to pay attention when it's weaker um, and it's exactly the same pattern that's happening when it's weak as when it's strong. You know, so it's, it's, you're learning something about the nature of that hindrance when it's weak. And so, for instance, if you're, if you're um, you know, noticing a little bit of ill will, you might notice as you're opening a drawer, if a drawer sticks a little bit, just a little flash of ill will that passes almost so fast that you don't notice it. But that's the kind of thing that we can really start to watch in our daily lives. These little, as we get familiar with the feeling or the flavor of our particular hindrance, we, we, we start to notice the little, the little ways it comes up. And what I'd propose is it's really, really helpful to notice those. Even if it's just as simple as, oh, there you are. I see you. Um, because that, that creates the conditions to apply the new pattern of mindfulness to that function, to that, that pattern of the hindrance. And the, the, the hindrance itself has similar kind of nature in the small as it does in the large. And so as we learn how to be with the hindrances in the small, we are creating a support for us to be with the the hindrances, they get stronger. And so that's just one piece that I'll offer you, offer you around the, the hindrances. And it's, it's because it's the, same, it's the same function. It's like that, that equation, that fractal equation. I mean, the, the equation doesn't change each time something gets run through it. And so you can, it's like what we're learning about is the functioning of the pattern. And that may be easier to do when it's small. And that will bear fruit for us when it's, when it's larger. So that was the more general piece I wanted to say. And then um, a little bit about restlessness and doubt. So, you know, restlessness, um, restlessness is an interesting, um, interesting one. It's actually, I would say, almost a foundational hindrance the foundational hindrance, this movement of mind that's just kind of push-pull, just, um, and it's, uh, it, it kind of underlies in some way all the other hindrances. In fact, it's, it's said that um, that hindrance of all of the hindrances is the last to go. 
in uh, in there's an understanding in the Buddha's uh, in the Buddhist um, teaching of how our minds let go of various things as they um, as it moves to to freedom and um, there's said to be four different stages of awakening where successively more and more things are let go of. And it's not until the last stage of awakening that restlessness is released. And so patience with restlessness is really, really helpful. Um, and so it is both foundational in that, um, you know, greed and aversion, for instance, the, the ill will and... and um, uh, sense desire, uh, a kind of based on restlessness, you know, this kind of mind that's kind of like, what, what do I want to look at? How do I want to be in the world? This just kind of movement of mind that's not settled or stable. And at times that, that movement will land on pleasant and then there'll be the response. And, and that, that kind of energy of restlessness is kind of related to this, you know, almost this sense of dissatisfaction of like, there's got to be something, something, got to be something, got to be something I need to pay attention to, got to be something I need to do. And, th- and then that energy, which is a little more neutral in the, in the restless space itself, gets applied to, there's got to be something, oh, pleasant, oh, that's going to be it, that's what's, what's going to make me happy. And, and then it moves into sense desire, and likewise with aversion. And so the restlessness is kind of foundational. And then also, it is created with the other hindrances. And so as, as ill will arises, as um, sense desire arises, it creates more of a sense of restlessness. So it's kind of one of those feedback loops. It's like we're, we, we, we can see this happening with, um, with wanting. I, I, Joseph talks about, talked about this at one point with, he called it catalog mind. And at this point I'll call it internet mind. Um, and he said, you know, you get a catalog in the, in the mail. And, and he said he found himself looking through one of these catalogs one day, you know, one of these things where you can buy, like, you know, an L.O. Bean catalog or something. Flipping the pages of the catalog, it's like, nope, don't want anything on, on that page. Flipping the next page, oh, nope, don't want anything on that page. And then noticing, wanting to find something to want. You know, so, so like actively looking for something to want. Not really wanting anything that's there, but that movement towards wanting to want. That's like a restlessness on top of the wanting. So it's, it's kind of like that. And so as we, as we um, engage in wanting, satisfying wanting, you know, this pattern of, or, or ill will, and doing something to get rid of that unpleasant experience... Um, there's a way in which our mind says, oh, the last time I was really happy was when I got something that I want, or the last time I was really happy was when I got something, got rid of something I didn't want. And so it's like the mind is going, well, that's the last time I was really happy, so what do I want to want so I can get something to be happy? Or maybe there's something unpleasant in here so that I can get rid of it, so that I'll be okay. This was the pattern I saw in my own mind, actually. I would find myself scanning the environment for something unpleasant to get rid of. That's a form of restlessness, that mind that's just like searching, looking, that kind of thing. And so that's, that's the nature of restlessness. And, so it, and to say that it is a very deep, hindrance. So it's 
probably not going to go anytime soon, so patience with it, and getting familiar with the subtlety of it. You know, the obviousness of it, of course, but also the subtlety of it. It, it can manifest in physical ways. You know, the body can, can feel in sitting meditation, feel a little jumpy or agitated. The mind in, re- in restlessness has kind of got that scanning mode. I would say the, the, the word that I use a lot um, is searching. You know, it's like, it feels like the mind is searching for something. It doesn't know even necessarily what it's searching for, but it's just looking. And so that's, that's also a form of restlessness, a mental form of restlessness. I'd say in general, this is another piece in general about the hindrances uh, in daily life. Um, you know, when we're looking at these patterns arise in daily life, we want we probably want to um, keep it really simple. And so just the recognition of, oh, this is the hindrance. Okay, wow, mind is restless. So, so this, is, this is that experience. So recognizing and exploring, allowing it. Not trying to get rid of it, not trying to push it away, but just like, okay, yep, this is happening. Restlessness is happening. And that also, that, that uh, framing of it is as is happening helps to um, create less of an identification with the, uh, with the hindrance. There's a, a teaching t- uh, Michelle McDonald um, offers around difficult emotions in general, around how to work with hindrances, work with any difficult emotion. And it's a, a, an acronym she offers, um, rec- RAIN, Recognize, Allow, investigate or interest and non-identification and so those are are tools that we can use and I would say that the investigation in daily life maybe more interest is a better word just being interested in what can be known Um, in daily life we're probably not going to have the time as I said the other day to kind of sit down and say okay what's going on here but the other three recognize accept and explore a possibility of not identify. All three of those are encapsulated in restlessness is happening. It's recognizing it. It's, it's exploring a non-identification with it by framing it as something is happening as opposed to this is happening to me. It's just, oh, this is happening. And then um, the allowing piece comes in again through that framing of it as just something arising in the moment, not something I have to fix or change or get rid of. So keeping it simple um, in terms of recognizing in daily life. Um, With restlessness also um, kind of... One thing that's interesting too about restlessness and sloth and torpor, both of those I think, um, they tend to be broad experiences. Um, Sometimes... um, sense, desire, ill will are a little bit easier to notice because they're a little more specific. We can, we can kind of say, yeah, that's the, that's the thing I'm, I'm frustrated or angry about. And here's how it feels. We get some specific sensations. With sloth and torpor, it feels more vague. It's more diffuse, the experience of sloth and torpor. And likewise, with restlessness, it's kind of a broad experience. It's just... I'm not kind of going like this, or the body, general experience of body. It's almost like not, you can't just say, that 
that experience, that sensation, that's the restlessness. It's much more of a, of a gestalt, of a big feeling, of a, of a sense of, yeah, the whole container feels like this. And, um, and so a large kind of receptive approach to restlessness and sloth and torpor, just like, okay, restlessness feels like this, and not trying to get specific about it. I, I, when I first started trying to investigate or explore uh, restlessness, it'd be kind of like, I'd kind of like try to narrow down. It's like, well, where is it? How am I feeling it? That movement to try to figure out is a form of restlessness. And it will just amp up the restlessness <laughs> to do that. And so you almost, it, it, in some ways, restlessness is a great uh, object because you have to apply a different approach than trying to do it. Because the trying to, to do it the trying to be aware of restlessness is itself kind of going to agitate the mind. And so it's got to really just be, okay, restlessness, show, show me. Just show me. And that, uh, that kind of mindfulness is, it's more of a receptive form of mindfulness than a directed form of mindfulness. And it's a very useful form of mindfulness to learn about, um, especially as our practice deepens because there's so much that you know if we're directing our attention we are we know what we're directing it to it's like if we're choosing what to pay attention to we already know something about it and if we are not directing our attention it's more like saying hey i don't know what's here show me and that ends up being really useful in the long haul of our practice because there's so much going on in our minds that we have no idea about so this, the, the tools that we learn about being with our experience through meeting restlessness can be really, really useful. It can also be really unpleasant. And so learning how to be comfortable or comfortable with that discomfort. And then uh, a little bit about doubt. Um, so the doubt, the doubt that's a hindrance is um, in the Buddhist understanding, is a doubt that um, is about the practice, about the teachings, about either a kind of a sense that, that this, is what, this is what the doubt refers to as a hindrance. It's, I don't, I don't, I don't, I doubt that paying attention to the breath is going to be useful, or I doubt that really deeply seeing into impermanence is going to do any good at all. Um, so this is, this is doubt uh, that is the doubt of the hindrance. Um, it can manifest as um, doubt in ourselves to be able to do the practice, doubt in the teachings themselves. You know, I don't... Um, uh, I don't think that the teachings are valuable or doubt in the people who are offering the teachings. So it, it, it can manifest in any of those ways. As a kind of energy in the mind, um, the Buddha described doubt as a kind of a wavering quality. Um, he said, it's like if you're in a desert and you have no landmarks, you know? It's like you're just in the sand of a desert without any landmarks. He says, you might, like, take a few steps this way and think, oh, that can't be right. And then 
take a few steps that way. Oh, that can't be right either. And then a few steps that way. That can't be right. So this kind of wavering. What do I do? How do, how do I make a choice? What, what am I going to do? So that's the kind of underlying energy of doubt. That, and so that might, that might come up in our practice around like, okay, I'm sitting. And it's like, oh, breath. Oh, that feels pretty good. Oh, but, but maybe that's not what I should be doing right now. Maybe I should be paying attention to metta. Oh, yeah, metta practice. Oh, may I be happy? May I be healthy? Oh, but that's just feeling like a little too much doing. So maybe I should do open receptive awareness. So kind of wavering between practices is a form of doubt. Or the mind just kind of trying to figure out, you know, this, that, am I, should I do this or that? Or this teaching, how does it work? So if you find yourself thinking about the practice in your meditation, this is often a good clue that doubt may be present. The hardest part about doubt is to recognize that it's happening so that you can be aware of it. And what I found for myself to be a useful clue is if I'm thinking about the practice in any form, whether it's thinking about, oh, this teaching of the Buddha, or whether I'm thinking about, um, you know, the teachers, what do they know? I could probably do a better job of explaining that than they could, or, uh, or you know, I can't do this at all. Any thinking about the practice, check in to see whether doubt is happening. Um, now, the energy of doubt itself does manifest in our lives, like in terms of making decisions around our life. Um, and I'd say that if you, if you find that that's something that's a pattern for you in your life, like how do I choose between this job and that job, or you know, I'm, I have this, this, this fork in the road and, and you f- feel yourself like wavering, it's the same energy. It's kind of like that fractal thing I was talking about. It's a similar energy. And so it's very likely if you find that doubt happens in your daily life a lot, that probably doubt will get applied to the practice as well. So, so just um, being aware of that in terms of the, um, the, you know, the kind of the staging of um, the releasing of the hindrances over the course of our um, practice, doubt is actually said to be the first to go. Uh, in terms of the doubt in the practice, the doubt in the teachings of the Buddha. Um, and so, you know, that this, this, this um, as we begin to um, get a sense of the value of the practice and see the result of the practice, we do have a sense of trust and confidence in the practice. It may not be constant. We may have a sense of, uh, oh, yeah, you know, we're in the middle of, of, of noticing, oh, this is happening. You know, just the simplicity of, oh, ill will is happening. And seeing a different relationship to it, seeing that, oh, you know, actually a lot of the suffering goes, goes down. I'm, I can hold this. It's not a big deal to be feeling this aversion. I, c- I can be with that. And in exploring that and recognizing that, there's a kind of a confidence that's, that grows. We see, oh yes, this is useful. We understand directly in the moment, this is useful. That is trust. That is a kind of confidence in the teachings and the practice that happens in the moment. And it comes and goes, <laughs> initially it comes and goes, but often if you find that you are in doubt in the, in the practice, sometimes it can be useful to 
uh, reflect, if you notice, oh yes, doubt is happening, it can be useful once you've had tastes like that of, of oh yeah, I know the practice is useful. It, it can be really helpful to remind yourself, I know maybe I'm not able to be with this right now, but I do know it's possible. I have, I do know the value of the practice. So just kind of consciously reminding yourself of that can be really helpful. Um, so that's all I'm going to say right now. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually curious to hear what's up for you, um, and in, in particular in terms of the hindrances and what you're noticing in your daily life. So let's just open it to conversation.